Ramble. If you love concerts and you love great deals, this is the one for you. Live Nation just started their annual concert week. Starting now, that means you have until May 14th to get tickets to over 5,000 summer shows for only $25. That's up to 75% off for tickets to your favorite artists, including 21 Savage, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists that you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Bada bing, bada boom. Producers from SBS, the CNN of South Korea, one of the largest news networks in all of South Korea, a bunch of producers were huddled together in a conference room. This is not good. They should have listened. They should have never aired the episode to begin with. They're huddled around, hands covering their mouths, their eyes are wide, and they keep re-watching this video that was anonymously sent to them. The video depicted a very young girl, unclothed and with nothing but a plastic bag over her head. She had red string tied around her, and when the video starts, she says, I am the doctor's slave. I will light myself on fire in a few days in front of the SBS headquarters. Please do not run the doctor's story on air. The watermarking on the video reads, SBS, Doctor's Slave. The producers, I mean, they're starting to panic. Play the video again. What what exactly did she say? She's going to do what? In a few days? What's a few days? I mean, hurry, do something. Like We have to do something. Police were called to monitor the SBS building. But even then, they can't have eyes everywhere. It takes just two seconds to light a match. The producers need to find out who this girl is or else in a few days, someone could die. They have to find her and they have to stop her. But how? They can't see her face. They don't know her name. They know nothing about her. The video is taken in what looks like any ordinary girl's room in this entire nation. It could be any of the countless students. They rewatch the video and they scan the screen for anything. I mean, something. A freckle at this point would be enough. Anything at all. Stop right there. When she reaches up, the pink and white friendship bracelet. It was in another video. The producer quickly pulls out her phone and starts scrolling through the chat room. Each chat room has over 10,000 videos and photos posted to it. How are they going to find her in all of these photos? They're like, here, it's here. They find the same girl. This time, the video is clear, same pink and white friendship bracelet. But this time they see behind her a bookshelf. They zoom in as much as they can. And there, written on the side of a middle school textbook, is the girl's name. And next to those are a collection of sticky notes. And they read, I love you, doctor. Please, I love doctor a lot. I am a slave. I am doctor's slave. Doctor's chat rooms are the best. This is the case of Paksa. The doctor who ran one of the most prolific illegal international CP torture rings of recent times. And it was all done on the internet, not even on the dark web, but on one of the most commonly downloaded apps by citizens, Telegram. They would say in the world of Telegram, the doctor is, quote, a godlike figure. Welcome to the doctor's room.
We would like to thank today's sponsors who have made it possible for Rotten Mango to support NAMI Network, whose mission is to combat human trafficking. NAMI has a very impressive international reach with a heavy presence in Asia. They help provide life-changing opportunities for survivors of trafficking by providing workforce and life skills for the women they serve. This episode's partnerships have also made it possible to support Rotten Mango's growing team of dedicated researchers and translators. We would also like to thank our listeners for your continued support as we work on our mission to be worthy advocates of these causes. As always, full show notes are available at RottenMangoPodcast.com. Now, before we get into today's case, I want to give a heavy, heavy content warning. This case involves a ton of stories of trafficking, essay, and torture of our most vulnerable population. The crimes are incredibly graphic, so please, if you feel like this case might be too much for you, go take care of yourself. We will see you in the next one. The investigative journalists that worked on the Enthrum case were fundamental to bringing down one of the most insane, complicated web of torture rings in recent times, and they were really in the trenches of hell trying to help these victims. It's likely that the perpetrators would not have ever been caught without them. Many names have been changed out of respect and anonymity for the victim and also for the victim and witnesses' safety. The exception are the names of the perpetrators. It will be in their complete legal names. Some anonymous testimonies from victims or witnesses have been condensed or combined for clarity, and we had help from our amazing Korean researchers, but as always with any and all cases, especially the international ones, please let us know if there was anything that was unintentionally mistranslated or miscommunicated, or if you have any additional information, let us know down in the comments. This will be part one of the Enthroom case of South Korea. Part two will be up on Wednesday. This episode will focus mainly on the doctor and the doctor's room. The second episode will cover God God and the Enthrooms and how they collide, as well as arrest and public reaction. Now, side note, in Korean, the word Paksa is doctor and Paksa's room is the doctor's room. We will be calling them by their English translation, which is literally just doctor and doctor's room. It's not like a specific kind of doctor or anything. And I think that's all we have for you today. So with that being said, let's get into it. Two middle school girls were in a public restroom. They had to hurry. They weren't even in one of the stalls. They're near the urinals, near the sinks. Right when anybody turns the corner into the men's restroom, these two girls are going to be in there. Anyone could come in at any single moment and see what they're about to do. They would see the camera set up. They would see the video recording. They're like, come on, come on, let's just get it over with. We're not even supposed to be in here in the first place. They turn on the camera. Hurry, just hit record, it's fine. One of the girls clicks record and the two girls turn to each other. Their eyebrows are crinkled and for a brief moment, it looks like they're about to burst into tears. But they stop and they smile as big as possible. They're trying to show every single teeth. But the top half of their face and the bottom half of their face, it just doesn't match up. It seems like they're smiling, but like they're being forced to. They don't want to be here. They don't want to be smiling is what they look like. One of the girls asks through clenched teeth, do we really have to do this? Her friend nods and the two slowly get down on their knees on the bathroom floor. Then they place their hands on the sticky, smelly floors. They are in their middle school uniforms. They angle the camera better so that they can see them up close on the ground. And a tear streams down one of the girls' faces. But neither of them break their big, big fake smiles. And they lean all the way down, pushing their face to the floor. The smell of urine is just coming up and punching them in the face. And then they lick. They lick the urine off the floor. 
and they have to go again and again. They're licking the dirty, pea-soaked floor of a public men's restroom right underneath the urinals. Then at the end, they smile even wider for the cameras and hold up their pinkies. The doctor's signature. Meanwhile, a 30-year-old man, a Korean man, was getting ready for an interview. He made sure that his wife knew not to bother him. The kids were in the other room with instructions that they cannot, under any circumstances, come out of their rooms. They cannot talk to daddy right now. Daddy is busy. He would need total peace and quiet for this very special, momentous occasion. I mean, it's a big, big day for him. He was feeling all the tingly excitement in his fingertips. I mean, this is probably the best opportunity that he's had so far. He cannot blow this. He grabs his phone. Okay. And he's ready. Name? Phone number? Address? Good. ID. The man takes out his ID and takes a picture with his phone and sends it over. And what do you have to show us? He eagerly smiles and he looks for the video, just hidden away, tucked inside of his phone. It's a video of my daughter. He sends the video and he waits. Why are they not responding? Maybe it's not enough. Maybe they want more? Shit. He starts biting his nails to alleviate the stress and calm down his nerves. Ding! The link has been set. Yes. He is in. He's passed the interview and he has just been accepted into the doctor's room. They say Gotham is a fictional place, that there is no possibility that a city could be run by lawless criminals whose sole purpose is chaos in the pursuit of money and power. Like, that doesn't happen in real life. But Gotham does exist in the digital world of Telegram. And like any other big city, it's got its own ecosystem. It has sellers, buyers, resellers, and they all come together to market themselves on Telegram in a place called Gotham Room. Each business owner would come to advertise their own private Telegram chat rooms for others to join. It's like a membership fee. In order to join their group chats, you have to pay money. It's like a marketing room. Think of it as if you go to a food market. Everyone has their own little stalls and they're trying to grab you. They're shoving posters in your hand as you walk by. They're dishing out samples so that you come and you eat in their stall. You eat their food. It's a marketplace. Come to my Telegram account. I have videos of chest torture, cousin, scissors being used, younger brother, and inviting a stranger over. Another ad would read, The slave is thanking her master in my room. Room number two. Come and watch. Others are more tech-focused. Data quality is guaranteed at a high level in all of our rooms. Hard and soft are available to suit your taste. Please DM us only if you can purchase immediately. We don't do payment plans. If this was your first time in Gotham, you could potentially find a tour guide to help you and to teach you the ropes. First of all, barely any of the rooms contain consensual material, mostly underage, and most of the time they're being forced into making these videos, or they have no idea that these videos are even being made and uploaded for maybe even tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people to watch. They're called slaves in the chat rooms, that's what they're called. And it's all about uh, asking for exactly what you want in Gotham. You think that what you like is so niche, is so different, is so special that nobody's going to have a room for it. But trust us, there's a chat room for everything. There's something for everyone here. Female teachers chat room, female military chat room, female police chat room, female nurse chat room, female middle school chat room, female middle school live stream chat room, girls room, and then an ad would pop up. The Lolly Room is run by the username Jeep no affiliation with the brand, where he distributes only CP for those that are interested. Please join us. What's a lolly room? 
uh, probably the most popular chat rooms. They're called lolly rooms, but it means lolita room. It consists of children crawling around, so toddler age, but the cameras are set up in incredibly objectifying ways. Many chat room creators have their own versions of the lolly rooms, and they say that most of the watchers, if you will, the buyers, are teachers from elementary schools. No way. Many of the most popular rooms consisted of videos depicting the same three to four girls. Typically, it was always girls. But because they don't want to show you the videos before you commit to purchasing, they would just go to Gotham Room and describe the girls to you instead. Her upper body is shaped like this. She's a little bit chubby, but thick thighs and thin waist. No body hair. Likes to cry while performing, if you're into it. Pretty good at studying. Big chest. Others would just read simply, My five-year-old daughter. Introducing my four-year-old sister to film. Eight-year-old sister live broadcast. Seven-year-old neighbor's daughter's toilet. My six-year-old daughter is so pretty. Some would get straight to the point and they would just write, Urine drinking torture. The Gotham Room was like a giant catalog, a menu of all the things that you could possibly want, but for a price. The price of entry into Gotham City is like a seesaw. So to some people, it's the price of selling your soul. To other people, it's like tossing a penny into a fountain. It's nothing to them. First, we need to confirm that you're a man. We're going to need a picture of your private part next to a piece of paper that has your username written on there in black Sharpie marker. No woman allowed. Then we will need videos of someone in your life. It has to be a woman. So preferably a wife. Your own children would probably be the best. Nieces, cousins. Yeah, maybe a neighbor's daughter if you don't have any. Videos or photos of them secretly taken that are explicit in nature. The younger, the better is what we're looking for. That's just the price of entry. It's an insurance policy because once you've posted all of your personal details, you've sent videos that you've secretly taken of your own sister or your own daughter or wife showering, how could you ever get out of Gotham? You would be trapped in Gotham. Gotham would be your new home. This is where you would be forever. How would you ever snitch on Gotham? I mean, when they have all your information, you watch their videos, you went through all these hoops to watch these videos, even going as far as submitting your own content. How could you ever snitch on anyone? It's a tactic that many mafias use, like mob bosses. They'll make you commit a crime because afterwards, it's almost impossible to turn on them. They've got evidence of you doing the same exact thing. You're just as bad as the people you're snitching on. Alarmingly, not many watchers are thrown off by this part of the vetting process. All they're focused on is making sure that they don't blow this golden opportunity. They need to get in. Once they're vetted by this point, they've sent pictures of their privates, submitted their IDs, pictures and videos of family members. All that is left is an exchange of money, typically through crypto. And then you're in. They would send you a link. And that link is your Willy Wonka ticket into paradise. Even in Gotham Room, you can see people begging, pleading, coming up with 50 excuses on why this is needed for them. If someone could please send me over a link, please, it will change my life, I swear to you. I will become a much better person with this link. I have cancer, you know? Someone send me the link. I could die at any moment. Do you want me to die without having some bliss in my life? That's what someone's saying? Yeah. Getting the link is the hard part. To find Gotham City is easy. It's hiding in plain sight. It takes about five clicks to get into Gotham. Google, and then you type in avnsnoop.com, a seedy website with tons of illegal explicit videos. From there, you can find a link into Gotham Room, which is on Telegram. 
Now, all you need is to pick the room of your choosing, get vetted, and you're in. The most popular room to get into is one of the doctor's rooms. It takes about six clicks in total if it goes smoothly. And once you're in, the very first message pops up welcoming you to Gotham. And it reads, let's rape. Journalist Kim Wan was in. A link appeared on his email for his new assignment. A tip has been submitted into the newspaper that he writes for. Hangyore. That's the newspaper. So someone wrote in a tip and it came to him because he's one of the journalists. Telegram chat rooms are being used for sexually exploitative content. Reporter Kim staring at the email. It's a Sunday. He's at home. He's taking the day off. He had taken his youngest son for a ride on the scooter and he promised his eldest son that he would play baseball with him. But his boss is texting him. You need to get on this lead right now. So he puts his phone down. He starts making his way back into the office. He already has a brief template in mind for this article. It's going to be a very simple project. Most likely, it's just another article about spy cams. He thinks he's going to go on Telegram, follow this lead, and find spy cam videos uploaded. It's the thing that's dominating the news cycle recently. Spy cams being hidden in public restrooms, motels, hotels, changing rooms of stores, hospital restrooms, hospital bathrooms, hospital rooms, even in guys' bedrooms when they invite girls over who have no idea and do not give consent to being filmed, being intimate. There are spy cams. Then that spy cam footage that's captured is being spread all over the internet. Not even on the dark web, just the regular internet that anyone can access. Pastors are hiding hidden cameras in their daughter's bathrooms to watch their daughter's friends shower. Stepfathers are hiding hidden cameras in stuffed bear's sunflower decorations in their stepdaughter's rooms, live streaming it to an audience. Is it deplorable? Yes. Is it shocking? Yes. Is it a threat to society? Also, yes. But is it also old news? Absolutely. That's how journalist reporter Kim is feeling. Readers are over it, okay? They're no longer clicking on articles about spy cams. They're done reading about it. It's no longer intriguing. But he sits down at his desk on a Sunday anyway in this empty office and opens up the lead that was submitted. It reads, There are reports of a junior in high school who distributed CP to his friends on Telegram. Screenshots were attached to the email, as well as the IP address and exact home address of the student spreading the videos on Telegram, as well as the link. Journalist Kim clicks on the Telegram link, and he was admitted entrance into a Telegram chat room with over 9,000 members. This wasn't a chat room full of videos. This is like the Gotham room. It's not even a chat room with the content. It's a marketplace for other chat rooms. He goes on there and he sees the clearly labeled categories for chat rooms to explore. They read regular explicit content, domestically produced videos. This would be illegal because South Korea prohibits production of explicit videos. Hidden cameras, spy cams, gore, lolly rooms, and just another one that bluntly states children's room. This This was not what the email implied. This was not just one high schooler posting CP into a group chat with his high school buddies on Telegram. Not that that that's okay, but this, this is not that. This is a whole ecosystem. This is a marketplace for distributing CP and illegal material. And all journalist Kim needed was a link. He didn't even need a VPN. He didn't even need Tor. He didn't need anything. It's just a link. And he sees there's 9,000 people in there? Yes, 
It's like getting a link to Reddit and you click it open. You don't need any other software. You don't need to access the dark web. You just need Telegram, which is the sixth most widely downloaded app in the entire world. Most people who use Telegram don't commit crimes with it. It's just a communication app. Hmm. When he clicks on a category, he's led to a new chat room with chat room creators that have rooms for that specific category, marketing their rooms on why their specific chat room is the best in this entire category of For example, gore. Kim would see hundreds of previews of photos and videos and they were all, they were all CP. Again, this was not at all what he thought he was walking into today. He had expected to open up a door and find himself staring at a small fire. But instead, the entire building is on fire. The entire city is up in flames. So as quickly as his fingers are letting him, he's typing up this article, exposing these chat rooms, and he clicks publish. This cannot wait for tomorrow. This needs to go up today. The world needs to know today. This is big enough to bring the whole country down. This is going to blow up in everybody's face, and there will be no avoiding something this big. It's going to be the biggest scandal of the year. He was so nervous, but he was so ready, okay? He's trying to blow the lid on this thing. He clicks publish, and on just one of the websites called AVN Snoop, which is available, again, on the regular web, the surface web, there are over 230,000 pieces of explicit videos, including spy cam videos. And this happened in uh, 2019, right? Yes. So very, very recent. Very recent, yeah. There were videos of minors, revenge videos that were posted without consent, photos taken upskirt of female colleagues, and you can clearly tell it's an office setting. Avian Snoop was run by a man, well, a username called Watchmen, named after the DC Comics. Kim had no idea who any of these people were running these chat rooms. They're all uploading these videos anonymously. Even the watchers, the ones commenting for more and grosser and more gory, they're all anonymous. But he wants the world to see it too. Even if they don't know who these people are, they need to know that these people exist and that these people are out there and they're hurting people. That's the first step to hunting down these predators. After reporter Kim publishes his article, he has his email pulled up on one side and the chat rooms pulled up on his phone. And he's waiting for his email to blow up, okay? Usually when he posts these types of articles that are very divisive or shocking or explosive, he's getting leads, tips, personal encounters of people that have been on these websites. They're going to just start flooding in. Ding, ding, ding. It's already coming. He checks his email. Nothing. He checks his phone. And the chat room is going crazy. Let's dox his ass. Here's a picture of him. Look at him. He looks like a pervert. Kim opens the file and it's a picture of him. Yeah, let's go find him. Someone go get him. Go. Already done. His name is reporter Kim Wan. This is his address. He's an incel and a pedo. That's crazy. They're using those words to describe describe him. him. Yes. (laughs) And people are laughing, ha, 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 ha. What should we do about it? Reporter, I know you're in here reading this. So here we go. We know where you live. We know where your family is. So you better watch out. Ding, ding, ding. Reporter Kim starts freaking out. Like, what the hell is going on? Did the article blow up? Because the chat rooms are blowing up talking about it. He feels this surge of adrenaline. He's refreshing his email. And nothing. Radio silence. Nobody cares about the article. But his phone is just, it's hot to the touch because it's going off so much. It just won't stop. We got his Facebook. Look, he has two kids. Here's a picture of the eldest. That's his wife. 
What's his wife's name? Someone find out her number. I got his address. Kim is likely trembling at this point. I mean, he's staring down at his phone. There are photos being distributed in the chat room of him, of his family, of his apartment building. Kim's article exposing the chat rooms only went viral in the chat rooms. The rest of the world didn't seem to care. Ding! New event has been created in the chat room. Event name, Catch Kim Wan. Time, now to indefinitely. Find out date of birth, names of every family member and all their private phone numbers, as well as all their employment records. Prize, your chance to order a slave. What the hell is happening? Kim refreshes his email once more and there is finally something. An unopened email from an anonymous sender. He clicks on it. You're barking up the wrong tree. All these people are nothing. AVN Snoop, they're nothing. You need to look into the doctor. I can help you. Reporter Kim responds back. Who's the doctor? Who is this? Me? I'm the Joker. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Unji is standing in the hallways of her middle school with her friends. She's in a good mood. School's almost over and she's going to head back home soon. Maybe she would even stop by a few stores and get a new phone case. She had a brand new iPhone and AirPods coming in the mail and she's so stoked for this. Ding. Unji looks down at her phone and it's like her eyes zero in tunnel vision on her screen and everything else starts to feel blurry. She feels sick to her stomach. Unji, what's wrong? You look like you're about to throw up. Unji turns her phone off so her friends can't read, and she's like, nothing, I'll be right back. Runs to the bathroom, and she's staring at the message that reads, take a photo of yourself naked in your school stairwell right now. She doesn't respond. Ding! Another message pops up. Town Girls Middle School. What? How does he know? What school? Ding! Eighth grade. Ding! Class two. Ding! Full name, Park Sori. Ding! Your dad's phone number is... Your mom's phone number is, and your address is, she stares at her phone. Ding. Are you fucking ignoring me right now? Okay. I'm sure your dad and his friends would love to see these photos of you. Take the naked photo of yourself in the stairwell. Don't hide your face. Do as I say or I leak all the photos in 10, 9, 8, 7. She's staring at her phone, hands shaking. Her friends come to find her. Undi, are you okay? Your lips are turning blue. She clicks her phone off. I'm fine. I, uh, I'm sick. I, I have to go home. 
In Unji's hand, her phone keeps buzzing. Lee Namboy has joined the chat. Kuni has joined the chat. FYG has joined the chat. Ho Hung has joined the chat. ERSB has joined the chat. This was a private conversation between her and somebody else, and they have invited hundreds of men into the chat. They could all see her fully nude face-in-frame photos. Her phone starts lighting up message after message after message. I want... It looks delicious. Her face is not my type, though. Go take one in the bathroom. I want to see her lick the toilet. Get down on your knees and cry. I say we go to her house right now to do it. I bet she's reading this and looking forward to all of us going. Yeah, let's go R-word her. In front of Panwardang Station in South Korea, there is a 7-Eleven convenience store. This is in front of the subway station. That is where reporter Kim and his colleague are going to meet up with the Joker. The other reporter was worried for reporter Kim's safety. I mean, how do we know that we can trust him? There's an event out in the chat room to hurt you. That could mean any watcher who wants to request a slave to do something that they want could have set this whole thing up, could have set up this whole meeting to get you. How do you know that you're not walking into a trap? I mean, how do you know that this person's on our side? What if it's some crazy watcher that doesn't want the slave video thing to end and they think you're threatening their business? I told him that I was wearing a black jacket, but I'm wearing a gray jacket. So that means from afar, I can try to spot him first. And he's going to be too busy looking for me in the black jacket. I can kind of scope him out while he's busy. And I can make sure that there's nobody else lurking around the corner because he said that he's coming alone in a white puffer jacket. It was an interesting choice. South Korea is kind of like New York City in the winter. It is a sea of black jackets. So while Joker would be scrambling, scanning every single person wearing a black puffer jacket, because he thinks reporter Kim is wearing a black puffer jacket, Joker would stand out like a sore thumb in his white puffer jacket. And you stand to the side. And if anything goes wrong, you call the police. It was a bit of a reckless plan. But what can the reporters do at this point? They have no other options. Reporter Kim leaves his colleague near the street corner and starts making his way towards the subway station. They plan to meet right in front of it. And then, boom, all hell breaks loose. Right outside the subway station, two cars screech and slam into each other, causing a massive car accident. Nearby car alarms are going off, horns are honking, people are screaming, everybody starts running towards the cars. It almost feels like a bad omen. Maybe reporter Kim should have stopped now, but he kept scanning the crowd. Everybody's trying to get to the cars to make sure nobody's injured. They're like ants running for food. They're all running in that same direction. And off to the side, watching the scene, completely unfazed, standing in front of the subway station, in front of the 7-Eleven, in a white puffer jacket, is the Joker. The two journalists sit down with the Joker at a cafe nearby. And the three of them are sitting in a corner table all the way back. Joker is wearing a baseball cap and he won't even look up to meet their eyes. In fact, the reporters are surprised to see that he has quite a bit of a baby face. His cheeks are pretty plump. He looks very young. I swear I never really knew about those chat rooms. The two reporters glance at each other. I found out they're a friend. I was at home one day when I got a call from a friend and she asked me to meet up in person. She sounded distraught. And she didn't want to tell me over the phone what was wrong, so I met up with her. She was a mess. She was crying. She could barely talk. I could tell it was really bad. She told me about some guy. The doctor? She said that he forced her to make explicit videos for Telegram. 
She told the doctor, no, at first, I don't want to do that. I can't do anything like that. And the doctor started threatening her. She said he just started texting her, her, her full government name, her address, her parents' phone numbers, even her social security number. She has no idea how he even got any of these things. She still told him, no, I can't. I'm not going to do any of that. And he started flooding the chat room that was originally just her and this random person, the doctor. But he started inviting hundreds of men and they knew her address now. They knew her social security number, all these strangers on Telegram. And they were joining over and over and they were shaming her nonstop, telling her that she's just a slave and she needs to be a good slave or else they're going to come to her house. If she doesn't do what the good doctor asks and all 100 of them are going to R word her. So she did what she was told. She sent a video to the doctor. He sent that video to a bigger, different chat room called the doctor's room, but she didn't have access to that room. Joker told reporters that it became his mission at that point to infiltrate the doctor's room to see what kind of videos he was posting and how many people were involved. He said, before you can even go to the doctor's room, there's a waiting room that you can enter. And that's where you figure out your taste. It's almost like a survey that you would fill out at the doctor's office. The doctor will post trailer clips in that room, teaser videos. And once you decide which room you want to get into, you get vetted. You pay the fee and then you'd be in to see the doctor. Once you get into the actual chat rooms, the first thing that you see is just skin. The whole screen is filled with the color of skin, like pink flesh everywhere, that color. A lot of nude young girls, all the videos. Each photo or video is watermarked the doctor. And if it's not watermarked, the girls would have doctor slave written on them, typically in big, bold black letters or in red on the arms or thighs or the legs anywhere. Eventually, he'll have some of the victims carve the words doctor slave into their bodies. The victims would be forced on their knees to beg for forgiveness for not being good while they carve themselves. That was his trademark. The doctor had three distinct signatures for each video. First would be somewhere on the girl would be doctor's slave. And the video or photo would be watermarked with the doctor's slave. And along with the opening of every video, the slaves would lift up their pinky finger. That was his signature. And lastly, every single video depicted the victim smiling. They had to smile or else. In almost all the videos, their whole bodies would be shaking with fear and their eyes would be puffy from crying and they would still be forcing a smile. Watchers would comment, see, I told you, they all want this. They like it. There would be menu items. Most watchers don't seem to be just part of one chat room. It seems like they're part of multiple because another thing that the doctor does is once you enter a chat room, you only get videos made by the same three or four slaves. If you get sick of them and you want fresh new people, you'd have to join another chat room where it's another three or four, quote, slaves. And like, I, I just want to put a quick disclaimer. I thought of different ways of presenting this information that didn't include the heavy usage of the word slave, but it's so embedded in everything of this case. Like, I think that's also one of the main points of this case, that word and the overusage of that word and marking the victims on their bodies literally with that word mm -hmm. is such a big part of the emotional and mental trauma as well as the physical trauma that the victims faced. So I just, I didn't want to soften the word because that is what happened. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make it seem like it's not as bad as it was because it's, it's as bad as it gets, you guys. Yeah. It's suspected that the doctor had over 300, quote, slaves. 
Now, the doctor is known in the chatroom world to be constantly innovating and updating his menu items to keep his watchers happy. So the menu reads, consuming urine, poop, backside, knife play, using scissors in private parts, public nudity, chest torture, and younger brother incest. The doctor has about 70 to 80 chat rooms, all separated by taste and menu items, as well as the number of, quote, slaves. But even within a category, they would be categorized as hard, medium, and exclusive. So hard rooms start at about $187 to get in. Medium rooms start at closer to $450. Now you're going to get much more intense, graphic frequency of content gets shorter. Like you're getting a lot more stuff in the more you get it it's a tiered system the videos get more graphic they get more violent it's a lot and exclusive rooms being the vip rooms they start at about twelve hundred dollars what's in the vip rooms caterpillars caterpillars the victims are forced to buy live caterpillars like you know the ones that you get at the pet store And while they're still moving, the victim has to pick them up one by one, show them to the camera, and then insert them inside while they're still alive. They have to do like a whole cup of them. If you guys want, I can send you the link. And with the help of the Joker, the two journalists, the two reporters, were in the doctor's room. Unji hit download on her phone. Unji's the middle schooler, and all of her friends had recommended this new trending app where you could be paid to talk to people anonymously. Lonely, rich people will join the app, and they will pay you to chat with them. It sounds like easy money. People are saying it's good. And since Unji is in middle school, it's not like she has any other like overflowing job offers just handed to her. She plops down in a bed and clicks create account. Like most apps, it's not that lucrative or as interesting as everyone made it sound. It's actually kind of dry. She downloads it, she creates an account, and nothing. She's about to give up and throw her phone down when, ding, a message from an account called The Doctor. Do you want a job? Unji sits up. Yes. The doctor said that he just wanted to talk and share photos with each other and he would pay her $4,000 a month. Now, to give you perspective, the average salary for someone who has graduated college and is in the workforce in South Korea is about $3,000 a month. She's in middle school. $4,000 just to talk? The doctor reassured her they would never meet up in person, but he did want some photos of her. Videos would be nice too, and of course, frequently, he would ask for some video chats here and there, but that would be it. No in-person contact of any kind. He'd be willing to pay $4,000 a month for it. Unji agreed, and the two would move over on Telegram to talk. Ding! The doctor would send a message. Send a picture of your body, naked. Unji hesitated. I can send you money right now if you do it. Besides, Telegram has this self-destruct feature, so after I see it, if you click that self-destruct, the photo will automatically be deleted. Unji would send a photo with just her body without her face in it. The doctor responded, good. Send me your phone number and your address. I want to send you a new phone, a new iPhone, and AirPods as a gift for that picture. Besides, I I want you to take better, high-quality pictures next time. Unji paused. She's like, I mean, technically... This is what the Sugar Baby website was for, right? Is to make money without actually meeting people and doing these things. I mean, this is how it's supposed to work. Like, why why would anyone download the app if 
this is what it's doing. I mean, people love this app. It's trending. Undi slowly types in her address and her phone number and hits send. From then on, the doctor would consider that victim his, quote, slave. He would add them to what he called, in the chat rooms, the doctor's encyclopedia of actresses. Every slave's name, address, phone number, and personal identifying markers would be added. He would threaten them, blackmail them. He would force them to send more videos, more photos. From there, it would just snowball. If they don't respond or they try to tell him no, he would text them, Hey, are you still alive, huh? It seems like you don't fully understand. I clearly told you, if you don't listen to me, I will chase you to the end of the earth and I will ruin your life, bitch. Respond to me as soon as you see this message or else, bitch, because I'm going to send this to your dad. I'm going to send the video of you reading out the slave contract while performing pleasure with objects and I'm going to hack into your Twitter and spread all of your videos. I've made myself clear, so you better respond. With this method, the doctor bragged to his chat rooms that he was able to get a slave to film their very first explicit video in less than three hours of adding them on these apps. And then from there, he said he could make at least two new, quote, slaves every single day. A new video was released into the doctor's chat room. Another victim. The video starts with her holding up her pinky finger and smiling at the camera. And then she steps back undresses slowly, places her underwear on top of her head like a hat, and then starts convulsing until she drops to the floor. Her eyes roll back in her head as if she's having a seizure. Her arms and legs are just wildly shaking. She was not having a seizure, though. The doctor just thought it was hilarious. So he would make these girls do these very humiliating things. But that's the thing with the doctor's rooms. The watchers in there, they get bored very, very quickly. The doctor could feel when his patients need more, when they're getting disinterested, when they're getting unengaged and they stop praising him in the chat rooms. He could feel it. So originally, it starts with just humiliation. Victims would be forced to go to men's public restrooms at subway stations, malls, gyms, schools, anywhere. They would have to sneak into the men's public restrooms, get on all fours and start licking the urinals or the floor underneath the urinals. Or sometimes they would even be forced to drink out of the men's public restroom toilet bowls. Other times they would be forced to get completely nude in a public restroom, not in a stall, lay out underneath the urinals and record themselves pleasuring themselves. Other times, victims would be forced to film themselves peeing into their own toilets at home and then getting up, bending down, and washing their face with their own urine and toilet bowl water. Then it would escalate. Victims were forced to defecate into their toilets and then drink the toilet bowl water with their feces inside like a dog. Or they would even be forced to consume their own poop, all with a smile on their face because, again, that's the doctor's signature. They would have Dr. Slave written in big, bold black letters on their arm. But that's becoming normal. All the chat rooms are doing this. All the tens of thousands of chat rooms on Telegram are showing these types of videos. So, of course, watchers are getting bored of it. There's tens and thousands of rooms? Yeah, it's speculated. There's endless amounts of rooms because they keep just creating new rooms. <laughs> If they feel like one room is about to get caught by the police or there's a cop already in there undercover, they just blow it up and create a new room. 
there's always new people coming in trying to make money and they're like, hey, if it's working for the doctor, I'm going to make money. I'm going to create rooms. And this is not a South Korean problem. The viewers of the doctor's room, only about half of them are suspected to be South Korean. Mm. Yeah. Wow. A lot of foreigners as well. It's like a world problem. Now, this is not enough, though. The watchers are getting bored with just humiliation and torture. It's not enough. So the doctor ups the stakes, humiliation and physical torture. Prior to this, one of the doctor's trademarks, like I said, was he wanted each video to have the doctor's slave written in Sharpie on their arms and legs. Now he wants them to carve it into their bodies with knives and scissors and record the whole process. It would usually be carved on their legs, arms, or right above their private areas. Then he would move on to pens. So hold up your two hands and make C's with both of them. And then touch them together at the tips. It creates a giant O shape, correct? Mm -hmm. That is the amount of pens that the doctor wanted his victims to place in their privates. It's about 32 pens. One victim, as she was filming, she starts bleeding and she texted the doctor saying it hurt so much and that she couldn't do it anymore. And he responded, just do it anyway. Just force it. And if it fails, do it again until it doesn't because you know what happens if you don't do what I say. The victim did this over and over until the doctor told her it was good enough and that she could stop. Outside in the living room, she said that she could hear her parents talking and laughing as they watched the news on the TV. But that, again, watchers grew accustomed to that too. This is their new normal now. So they keep upping their standard for exciting content, which is really terrifying when you think about it. These things, these nightmarish things are becoming understimulating to them. It's not getting them off anymore. So the doctor had the victims move on from pens to rulers to knives and sharp scissors. Sharp objects would have to be placed inside now. Then it was all about breaking all limits. If the doctor even found out that any of the victims had a brother, older or younger, he would force them to perform oral activities on their brothers or even force them to be essayed by their brothers. I don't know how the brothers are consenting to this. It's crazy. I don't even know how someone could even try to unpack the level of trauma that he's inflicting on his victims with something like this. I mean, there's a level of trauma that these victims are already facing from being blackmailed and effectively held hostage by someone to do things that they absolutely do not consent to doing. Painful, humiliating, uncomfortable, disgusting things. Then the doctor adds another layer of trauma by ripping apart a family by making the victims commit incest. I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but it would take, I mean, it would be a very, very, very cruel, long journey for both sister and brother to recover mentally and physically from something like this. And then to have someone in your house that knows what's going on and becomes part of the torture, to have that infiltrate your home, I mean, it's going to feel like there is no escape. There's no way out. If these types of videos get out, a lot of the victims, they would no longer have friends, a family. They would have no futures to fall back on because that's how society works. But even that wasn't good enough. Watchers would comment, doctor, we're willing to pay you more if you can do more for us. It's not a problem of money anymore. It's a problem of what do you have for us? 
Thus came about the creation of the doctor's VIP rooms. $1,200 to get accepted into a VIP room where the girls are forced to interact with the VIPs. It's not like they're bonding and entertaining them. The VIPs are throwing all sorts of horrible, degrading, psychologically jarring, soul-wrenching, distressing comments at the victims and the victims would have to respond to it. VIPs would be able to pay additional funds to be able to video chat with the victims and even request for photos and videos. For example, if a VIP wanted a specific victim to brand their bodies, they could just pay a designated amount and it would happen. Like another carving? Yeah. The victims would be forced to smile on camera while they branded themselves with whatever the VIP wanted. Usually it was a degrading word, a variation of personal toilet, slut, slave, bitch. And by branding, it typically meant that, again, they would have to take the knife and carve it into their bodies, usually right above their private part. Sometimes the VIPs would want their usernames to be carved into the victims. But even that wasn't enough. The watchers were never, never ending, unsatiable sadists. They wanted more. They needed to constantly up the stakes to feel more. So the doctor starts releasing victims' addresses into the VIP chats. This was honestly diabolical. It adds another layer of fear to the victims. They're already terrified that their videos and pictures are going to get leaked by not just the doctor, but any one of these anonymous faces in the chat rooms. In South Korea, that's as good as a death sentence. I mean, I think it's getting better. But even in America, that's the way that societies work as of right now. I mean, it's deplorable, but it could signal the end of your life as you know it. They're terrified for their pictures being leaked, but they're also terrified of their families finding out about what's happening to them. They don't want their parents to worry. They feel ashamed. Not to mention these victims are terrified when they go outside because they have no idea who's in these chat rooms. Their faces are in all these videos. They don't know if they're going to encounter a watcher or if they're passing one on the street, at the store, at the restaurant, or at school, or at work. They're overanalyzing, like, why did that guy look at me for two seconds too long? Does he recognize me from somewhere? Why is he staring at me? Is he staring at me? They have no idea who these watchers are. They have no idea what they look like. But they all know what the victims look like. And now, now their addresses are publicly leaked, docs to the very people who want to watch them do horrific, unbearably painful things to their bodies. These are the people that get off on it. To simplify, a child's address is docs to a group of free, evil child offenders and R-worders who have nothing to fear. The victims would try and go about their day as normal to keep up with appearances. They would try to focus on their schoolwork, but they would realize an hour in, they did no homework. They didn't even solve a single problem. They had just been staring at their phone on the table, gripped by anxiety, overwhelming anxiety that the doctor is going to make them perform again. And then they would look out the window and there'd just be a strange man staring at them through their window. And then ding. They would open up the messages in their chat room and there was a picture of them sitting at their desk trying to study. Ding. Nice. You should r word her. The doctor would respond in the chat. I've got a lot of stuff on the slave, so she's not going to report if you r word her. Do whatever you want. Ding. It's trench coat time. 
The VIPs would get an alert when the victims or the slaves were going to be in trench coats. Their addresses had already been leaked and all the VIPs had to do was show up. The victims are forced to wear nothing but their trench coats and walk around their apartment building and their neighborhood. VIPs were allowed to go, identify them in the trench coat, pull them into their cars to ardward them, or even humiliate them by walking past them and ripping open their trench coat, exposing their completely nude bodies to the general public. Other times, the victims would be forced to stand outside their very front door in the hallways or in their balconies of their homes, completely naked, during the middle of the day, regardless of if their families are coming home or if their neighbors are going to see or if cars are passing by, they would be forced to record themselves pleasuring and film the whole thing and upload it to the VIP chat rooms. The VIPs would get a heads up. So if they wanted, they could show up to the victim's house and either watch it live or they could do whatever they wanted with the victims. Once that became routine, the intensity heightened again. A live stream notification would pop up in the VIP chat rooms. It would be titled heart emoji, live slave show, heart emoji. Party emoji, this is going to be fun, party emoji. Laughing emoji, laughing emoji. A victim would have been called to show up at a motel. Once they opened the door, the designated motel room, there would be a camera that was already set up and filming. A man would throw her inside the room on the bed. This is a VIP client. And he would start R-wording her. Behind them, the door would be seen opening and closing as more VIPs walked in and they would pretty much line up in order of their arrival, ready to take their turn to R-word the victim. We don't know how many depraved watchers there were in the VIP rooms, but we can assume it was a lot. It said that there were 260,000 people that wired money to the doctor to join his rooms. And this, this is how he became the God. That's what they called him. The God of online chat rooms. And a lot of this god-like image for Doctor was the fact that he just seemed to know everything. He knew it all. They said, like a god, the Doctor was omnipresent. He was somehow mysteriously always able to find out the victim's family registrations, who their parents are, their phone numbers, their addresses, their occupations, everything. It's like the Doctor always knew everything. I mean, I'll explain how he did it, but have you ever done anything consistently for eight to nine years of your life. Have you ever had a job that long? Have you ever had a hobby that long? Jay had something that he had been consistent with since middle school. He had been trying to kill his middle school teacher. It started off as like a tiny little crush. He was in class. They locked eyes. He thought it was love. The only obstacle being that his middle school teacher was getting married and going to start her own family. But he's determined. He was determined that she would look at him in class one day and realize, whoa, my marriage is going to fall apart. And my whole life is this little boy right here in front of me. And she just needed to be with Jay. That was the plan. But that didn't happen. She went on her honeymoon and Jay was fuming. He vowed that if she ever betrayed him again, she would have to be punished. Then a year later, she went on maternity leave and Jay came to the realization, maternity leave, that means you had a baby, which means you were pregnant, which means she had done the deed with her husband and had cheated on him. He was so enraged that he started stalking her to find out extremely private information. He started reaching out to her on a daily basis through Kakao Talk, which is like their messenger app in Korea, escalating to the point where he told her straight up verbatim, I will kill your baby. 
He was reported, pulled out of school, placed in a juvenile detention center, and the second he got out, he texted a friend, all my friends have moved on since I was thrown in this jail, in this juvie. I had to miss both of my grandparents' funerals, and that bitch is throwing her daughter a first birthday party. I already looked into her address and everything. The same day he was released, his former middle school teacher would open the door to her apartment unit to leave with her baby for a stroll, and she would see the big red letters spray-painted in the hallways. I will kill you. In 2018, Jay was hired by the government. He would have access to all civilian records and personal and private information of civilians. He would have access to the government database. What's his job? Just like a data clerk. Also, he's a government official. Not an official, just a government employee. Like if you work at, I don't know, the DMV or, you know, the registration office. Mm, so he has very private information. Yes, with his prior criminal record of stalking his middle school teacher for like eight years, he gets a job. Then in 2019, he was hired by the doctor to steal phone numbers, registration numbers, addresses of not just victims, but random celebrities that the doctor liked as well. He would steal the addresses of at least four famous active girl group members, two of the members' dads, all their registration information, a famous actress, and a famous broadcaster, like a news announcer. Personal and residential details were taken. It's alleged that the doctor doxed these celebrities in the chat room. And stated, girl group member, redacted. Personal information, resident number, redacted. Famous broadcaster B lives in redacted apartment in redacted city. Redacted is Idol C's newest location. If you wait, you could probably catch her. The doctor stated in his chat rooms that he would be working with staff members on these celebrities' inner circles to get hidden secret camera footage of these idols so that he can make these idols and celebrities his slaves as well. This solidified his reputation of the god of the chat rooms. His reputation was untouchable. The doctor's rooms were becoming so popular that the doctor could no longer handle all the demand. He's overbooked, so he starts hiring employees. They were like receptionists. They would vet and take payments from the watchers. They would interview the potential watchers and admit them into the appropriate doctor's rooms. There's a lot of trust that the watchers would have to put into these hired employees because they're the ones collecting their IDs, their payments. So to make the watchers more comfortable, the doctor reassured everyone in all the chat rooms, for each employee, I have access to their ID and social security number. So don't worry. The doctor would eventually have dozens of employees working underneath him. He would place their pictures and identities in what he called the doctor's encyclopedia of actors. He was running a full-scale illegal movie CP torture film operation, and the doctor is untouchable. And nobody knows who he is. They don't even have a clue. That's why they say games are only fun when you have someone challenging to play against. If you're a chess master and you play against a novice, you're bound to get bored. You can predict their next 10 moves. You can predict what they'll do and you'll do the exact opposite. The novice thinks that they know what you're going to do, but you could just play them. It's not challenging. It's not fun. Reporter Kim from Hangyore, the one that met up with the Joker, 
He published his article, and at first it's crickets. The general public didn't even care. Within a week or so, the article starts slowly taking off and gaining traction. The people who were interested in the article, though, were only interested in the article because they were interested in the doctor's room. Essentially, oh wow, I didn't know something so horrendous existed. I want to join. One of the chat rooms originally had 1,000 paying watchers. After the article went up, they had 5,000 paying watchers. Some users even came in saying specifically, I never even heard of Telegram. I didn't even know what it was. But I came looking for the doctor's room after reading about it on Hangere. So. The chat room thought it was so hilarious they would comment, Kim Wan, that reporter, needs to publish a follow-up article ASAP because he's blowing us up. His piece is more like a review than an expose, if I'm being honest. LOL. We're famous now, guys. Let's all celebrate. If there are any journalists in this chat room, hi, hello. Mr. Journalist, make us all famous. With supply and demand, the doctor, being the astute businessman, would raise his prices. He raised the price of his VIP room from $1,200 to about $1,500. The new people coming in, they're not even trying to go to the smaller rooms. They want all the torture. They want the top shelf videos. They're becoming VIPs. But if you don't have the money, don't worry. The doctor is a kind, understanding person. He made an announcement in his waiting room where anyone can join, the general public, and the taste room, if you will. He writes, if anyone can dox more reporters from Hangere, the newspaper with journalist Kim who wrote about us, then you can get free admission. If you can get me information about any of the other reporters, get me their full name, family members' names, phone numbers, and addresses. If you can fully dox them, free admission into any of the non-VIP rooms. Journalist Kim felt completely defeated. He even received a few emails from other competing chatroom creators, wannabe doctors, and they're emailing him, begging him to write about their rooms, expose their rooms, please. So that we can up our business and traffic. This is crazy. Kim said it destroyed him to know that he inadvertently promoted sexual exploitation chat rooms. His entire family had been doxxed. He lived in fear for his life every single day and nothing good came out of it. The villains won. He felt like he's frantically taking out scoops of water from a bathtub with a teaspoon and the doctor would just walk over and turn on the faucet again and overflow the tub. All his hard work, I mean, it's nothing. It's not even a drop in the bucket. Kim said, for the first time in my life, I felt like I was fighting the thin air. It's like I was fighting this illusionary world the doctor was in. I didn't even feel like I was fighting something concrete. The doctor even changed his banner of the chat room to read, the one and only Hangyeri promoted chat room. Another one too, the one and only chat room in media spotlight. Ding! New messages had entered the chat room. Hello, this is SBS News Network. Please contact us if you have any information about the doctor. Ding! Hello, please contact JTBC's Spotlight team if you have any information on the doctor or the doctor's rooms. SBS. Okay, so SBS is also in the chat room now. They just entered the chat room along with JTBC. Now this, this is the game worth playing for the doctor. SBS is one of the three biggest broadcasters in the country. 47% of South Korean population watches SBS every single week. They reach half the nation's population. JTBC is one of the top five biggest broadcasters of the entire country. They capture 45% of the entire South Korean population every single week. 
One of the main reasons why SBS and JTBC were involved in making these documentaries and episodes on the doctor's room was because it was blowing up on Twitter. So on mainstream media, nobody's talking about it except for reporter Kim and maybe a few small other journalists. But these mainstream media journalists, they're not even touching it. They're not even looking at it. To them, it's boring. They don't care. Who's blowing it up? Twitter's blowing it up. Yeah. One of the producers of JTBC said that her boss was originally not wanting her to cover this case at all. He's like, don't waste your time. This is old news. We don't care about spy cam videos anymore. We're moving on. She had to show the higher ups at JTBC the outrage on Twitter to show them like there's going to be an audience. Please, you need to let me do this. That is how they finally agreed because of Twitter. So because of Twitter, SBS and JTBC are now in the game. And the doctor is about to become one of the most famous doctors in the entire nation. The producers are huddled in their conference rooms waiting for any tips and leads. Ding! They all sit up straight. They check their phones. It's a message from the doctor himself. Are you looking for me? The producers start responding. There's a sense of urgency. They don't want him to get bored. They don't want him to change his mind. They need to extract as much information from him as possible. They need to be smart. Every message they send needs to accomplish something. We spoke with many of your victims. They live in pain every single day. Do you not feel any guilt? I'm not a psychopath. Of course I feel guilty. But let me ask you something. How much money would it take in order for you to shoot someone? I would shoot someone if there's profit to be made. He's basically saying money. Money is the end. Money is the end all be all. And these people are just getting in the way. What do you do for work? I run a private investigation agency, but I also sell drugs on the dark web. Can we come talk to you? I'm in China. Come and meet me if you can. Done. We'll be right there. What part of China? (laughs) That was a test. I'm actually in Cambodia. If you're a journalist, you should actually know that. This was fun, but I have to get going. I have to pick up a package. The producers want to stall. They want to keep him on the chat. Is is there a similar delivery system in Cambodia like there is in, in Korea? Don't look down on Cambodia. The doctor is playing games with them. Is he in China? Is he in Korea? Is he in Cambodia? Is he a PI? Does he sell drugs? How old is he? Some parts of his text message, the cadence talks like a young college-age student. And then other parts of his text message, he uses older traditional Korean words that only someone in their 50s would know. Like a scholarly man in his 50s, not even an average 50-year-old man. They had so little leads, the producers were lost. They don't even know where to start. He's playing chess. They're not even playing checkers. They're sitting there with their coloring books. It's not even the same sphere. So in order to level the playing field, the doctor decides to give them an upper hand. He shows them a cryptocurrency account that he owns. It's the way I get paid for my rooms. Have you ever heard of the trolley dilemma? Yeah, So you're in a trolley a train, if you will. And the trolley is headed straight for five people who are on the train tracks, unable to move. The train's brakes are broken. They will not work. And five people will absolutely be hit and killed by the trolley. There is no way to outsmart this. These people are not dead already. There's no terms and conditions. Five people are about to die. The only option is, at the very last moment, you see that the railroad tracks split into two. And you can pull a lever to divert the trolley to the other set of tracks, where there is only one person tied up on the tracks. The dilemma is, do you do it? You either let the train go the original route, the route where you do nothing and let five people die. Or you pull a lever and the train changes tracks and only one person dies. What do you do? 
The people who choose to let the train keep going on its original path argue that five people dying is fate. And if they intervene, they're intentionally causing harm. So even for a greater good, they're causing harm to someone. It goes against their moral rules. They argue that intentionally harming even one person, even if it's for the heroic excuse of saving other people, it violates the moral principle. The people who choose to pull the lever and divert the train, letting it kill just one person instead of five would argue, minimizing overall harm is the end goal. Pulling the lever is justified because it leads to a lesser total number of casualties in the end. It is for the ultimate greater good. Sacrificing one person to save five is the greater good for the greatest number of people. They would argue that the other opposing group, that inaction is action. Knowing that there's a lever that you can pull to kill four less people and not pulling it is not fate. It's still action, so you've still decided what to do. What would you do in the trolley dilemma, and why? Because the doctor was about to give the producers a trolley dilemma that would result in death. When a broadcast is aired about me, a woman will go to the SBS building and set herself on fire until she dies. Blood will be on your hands. The producers are now in this inescapable dilemma. If they air the episode, the doctor will create a new victim, one that might even lose their life, and blood will be on their hands. If they don't air the episode, the doctor will have endless victims and someone might still lose their life and blood may or may not be in the producer's hands. There is no winning. There's no right choice. People are going to get hurt in the end regardless. He messaged them, you're going to make a slave of your own. Catch me if you can. It was a game to show them that there is no difference between him and them. The producers will create new victims, just like the doctor himself. Ding! A new photo had been uploaded to the doctor's room. The watermark, which typically reads doctor or doctor's slave, now read reporter Kim's first victim. It was a photo of a victim standing, hips bent, and leaning forward to depict all of her private areas. So the watermark actually read um, Hangyare's first victim, which is the newspaper that reporter Kim works for, but he's calling out reporter Kim. Ding! Another photo of a completely different victim in the same exact pose, and the watermark read Hangyare, reporter Kim's second victim. Reporter Kim tried to look through all the other photos to try and see if these two girls were already victims, but they weren't. They were brand new girls. The brand new victims that the doctor had created because of him. He had blood on his hands, is how he felt. SBS News received a video from the doctor that a victim was going to light herself on fire in front of the HQ if they aired their episode. They ended up airing the episode. The police tracked down the girl in the video. They rushed over to her house and they were able to protect her before the doctor ordered her to go to the SBS building. But the police had to tell her parents everything that their daughter had been through. It was not an easy conversation and the police found the red threads still scattered around her room and little sticky notes everywhere that read, I love you, the doctor. I'm a slave. I'm the doctor's slave. The doctor's chat rooms, please love me. The sticky notes that she was forced to write in videos. Yeah, so this was the girl from the very beginning of the video. Yes, they found her and they were able to protect her. Now, JTBC, the other producers that were involved, the other news network, had an impossible choice to make. And they decided to go live with their episode. The doctor was pissed. He posted a video of a victim in 
all of his chat rooms, not just the VIP rooms, to tens of thousands of vile watchers, he uploaded a video of a victim and the watermark this time was the victim's full name, her phone number, her job title, the address of her workplace, and her home address. And the message read, JTBC victim number one. The producers working on this case were in the chat rooms watching the photos and videos that were being posted. And they said, I started feeling like both my brain and my heart were contaminated. It was such a lonely fight, like I did not have energy to continue anymore. Side note, the JTBC producers reached out to the victim because they had all of her information because the doctor doxed her and they apologized profusely for airing their episode. And it probably would have made it so much easier for the producers if the victim screamed at them, yelled at them, threatened to sue them, took her anger out on them because at least that way the producers can feel like they're being punished in a way. But instead the victim just responded, it's okay, he would have done it anyway for whatever other stupid reason he could find. The producer said, was it my fault? I didn't even know what to say to that. I made her a victim. I felt so guilty. Another producer said, what was agonizing was watching people get victimized at every moment and you keep working and you keep writing articles and you keep investigating and yet nothing is being done. There are still victims being hurt and new victims coming in every single day. It got to the point where I wanted to just leave the country because why would I live in a country that can't even shut something like this down? But then I realized it's everywhere. So they stayed and they had to watch and they had to keep reporting. Some managed to channel that feeling into anger. One of the producers said, I felt the urge to kill them. I was so angry that I had thoughts of murdering every single one of them and going to prison for it. She said she had fantasies of jumping into the screen and grabbing people's necks, the creator, the managers of the chat rooms, the watchers, all of them. She wanted to murder all of them. It was very clear that they needed to find more victims because it was the only way to try and protect them. One victim actually reached out to the producers and she met up with them and she said she'd been recognized. And the more she talked, the more panic was in her voice. And she said, now random people come up to me on the street and ask me if I'm really that girl in the video. And I feel like everybody who passes me on the street just knows. They just know who I am. They know what I did. The producers tried to comfort her. It's okay. It's okay. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. That's crazy because those people are pedophiles. Yeah. And they're just publicly announcing yeah. who they are. And they feel like they're... They feel like they're good. What is the victim going to do? She's so scared. And the police can't catch them. They're, where's the proof that they're mm-hmm. in these chat rooms? Mm-hmm. The producers told her nobody knows. But they were lying. Because when they first saw her walk in, they recognized her from one of the videos. Because the producers are all watching the videos as well. Hmm. They knew who she was. And that's just one victim from one room. The reporters knew this, trying to study this complicated web of trafficking. Every day, there were at least a dozen new chat rooms that would appear. Completely new rooms, copycat rooms with new victims, where they're just trying to copy the winning formula. There were reseller rooms, creators selling old content from older rooms. There's spin-off rooms, themed rooms. One room was called the Desire for Acquaintance Room. It had over 28,000 members in one chat room, and it was filled with people who wanted to, quote, dominate someone that they knew in their real lives. The chat was filled with people posting videos and photos and doxing their own co-workers, friends, family members, and classmates that they wanted to see get turned into a slave. 
And if they couldn't install some sort of hidden camera to get explicit photos or videos of them, they would collectively help Photoshop their heads over naked videos of torture videos that were from other chat rooms. And their motto was, all the girls in our lives are candidates for our sexual desires. Then you had the dance room, which would include typically girls, young girls, photos, names, ages, and which dance studios they dance at. Like, because, you know, they learn ballet. They go to these dance studios when you're younger. And a lot of these dance studios, because they have parents that want to come and watch, they have glass walls. And you uh -huh. can watch from a second room. They will uh -huh. dox all of that and encourage strangers to go watch these children during their dance lessons and almost encourage either stalking behavior or even violence, if they so please, as long as they record it. There were rooms for everyone. So the producers kept the episodes up. They posted them and they kept them up. And the episodes had aired and there was one statement made by the doctor to the producers that made it to the final cut. The doctor was talking about another competitor and he used their username. He called them out directly in the broadcast. He said, oh, God God of Enthroom, he produces low quality shit. Watchers had always said about doctor in the world of telegram chat rooms, the doctor is a godlike figure. He was their God. But what's better and what's higher than God? The only person that could take down or rival the doctor was God God. God God had disappeared for 11 months. He handed off his nth room chat rooms and 60 victims to be managed by the watchman. He had been MIA and his watchers were left to mourn his absence. And a message pops up in the nth rooms. Ding. Tell SBS to contact me if you see them. LOL. The chat rooms went crazy. Is this is this seriously God, 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 are you back? God, God is back. He's back. They went from chat room to chat room announcing God, God, the legend is back. Some chat rooms felt like he was even too much for them. They wrote, but he's so fucking sick in the head. Why are you guys celebrating? He's back. The watcher said, if the doctor does all this for the sake of making money, God, God does this for the sake of having fun. God, God will often give out free videos and photos to all of us because he's just in it for his passion. He's in it to hurt the slaves. That's it. The doctor is here to make money. He's a capitalist. But God God is our sadist king. God God was the creator of the nth rooms. And he was back. Ding. God God would message the doctor. Hi, doctor. God God, why haven't you been caught yet? No matter what happens, they're not going to find me. Well, how about if they track your money, God, God? Oh, I only gave gift cards to the slaves. Even if they track the money, they can't find me. If I throw my phone away, then there's no proof at all. They can't send me to jail even if I turn myself in. Yeah, well, I'm abroad, so it doesn't even matter, you fucker. Besides, your videos lack actual quality and you're way too obsessed with being sadistic. Listen, doctor, this is all just a game for me. If a slave leaves after a whole year, I'll just let them go. And then I'll start spreading their videos everywhere. Look, doctor, I'm reaching out because I want to I want to I want you to promise me something. Promise me that you're going to reset your settings. What are you talking about? Your Telegram settings. Make it so that if you don't log on for 10 days, all the explicit videos you posted on all platforms get posted for free. 
every victim's video gets mass spread on the internet. What? And why would I do that? In case we get caught. And why would we get caught? We don't get caught, but just in case, we got to make all the videos public. We got to go out with a bang. The conclusion of the conversation between God, God, and the doctor being, if we go down, we're taking all the victims down with us. But why? They hate each other. They're competitors. Why on earth would they work together? Because you know what they say. An enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that is where I leave you with part one. Part two will be up on Wednesday. So stay tuned. Please be safe. And I will see you guys then. Bye.